Welcome to this podcast from The Well, a United Methodist Church in Rosemount, Minnesota. Thank you for taking the time to listen. For more information, please check us out at thewellmn.church. Grace and peace be with you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and welcome to Worship at the Well in Rosemount, Minnesota. We are glad you were joining us. If you're online, thank you for being here. Make a note down below so we know you're here. And for those who are here in person, God bless you. Your very presence is an act of faith. So thank you for sharing your faith with me and with those around you. What do we have coming up here at the well? You can pick up your poinsettias. We should have told you that after the last service on Christmas Eve. But if your poinsettia is still here, you're welcome to take it. Um, it gets, if it gets, well, it's not too cold today. You can still take your poinsettia to the car. If it gets really cold, we have to cover them up. But today's still good, I think. Our Wednesday night dinners are coming back this Wednesday, and there is a change. We are now serving at 5.15 until 6. That's a little bit earlier than we were in the past, and that allows us to start all the programming at 6 o'clock. So if you're coming on Wednesday night, just come a little bit sooner. We have lasagna this week from Ben Edwards' Secret Recipe. We'll be publishing that recipe in the newsletter. <laughs> what else do we have? We have children and youth on Wednesday night. The adult Bible study is not meeting currently. Chancel choir. Um, and then after in the chapel, we have a group called What Does It Mean to Be Affirming? Um, which is wrestling with how do we be an affirming church and respect other people's opinions? We're not all of one mind. How can we move forward with this and still be faithful to what we all believe? It's a, not an easy question, but there's a great book here by Tyler Sitt. Tyler Sitt is a Methodist minister in Minneapolis. I've heard him preach many times. Um, I've met him several times. He's a great guy. He's young. He's already got a... Um, TED Talk online, and now he's published his first book. He's going places. So we will be reading his book, uh, Staying Awake, the Gospel for Changemakers. He's definitely a changemaker. There's a blood drive coming up here on January 11th, Thursday. If you are a blood donor, thank you. Um, if you can sign up for that Thursday, that would be great. As I've said many times, blood donations are important to me. When you donate just that one time, it reaches like 15 different people. It saves lives. Unfortunately, I can't donate because of my meds right now, but I encourage you to donate. If you've never donated before, it is truly painless. Um, it's just not a big deal. You can do it. Parents' Night Out coming up on the 12th, and confirmation next Sunday, the 14th, after worship, after the second service. And once again, thanks to our volunteers that make Mobility Worldwide a success. Uh, we raise money for that over Advent, and uh, we had the card out here. I think the card's gone now, but just a great ministry that's affecting people and changing people's lives all around the world. Our theme for this month and going into February is the House United. Uh, this was a theme that was recommended by Emma, by our new newsletter person. Um, she's so creative, and she said, you know, all that stuff you're writing and publishing, she says, we should talk about a house being united. And so that's kind of the theme that we're going forward with, and I look forward to those Sundays. 
I believe that those are all of our announcements. Please rise as you are able for our call to worship. The God of all creation makes us one in the flesh. In Jesus Christ, we are made one in the Spirit. We practice our faith in many different ways. Yet we confess one Lord Jesus Christ. Yet our calling is one because Christ is undivided. Rejoice, people of God. The risen Christ is among us, calling us together as his people. Praise the Lord. The Holy Scriptures for this Sunday come from chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark. We started this gospel last week, and I did a lot of background on it, and I will try hard not to repeat that. This is the oldest of the four gospels, probably the first written. And it's a new genre. Nobody had ever written a gospel before. It's sort of biography, but not quite. It's sort of theology, but not quite. It's sort of a historical document, but not quite. It's something new and different. It's gospel. And in the last 2,000 years, we have discovered that gospel is best heard. Literally not read, but heard. So it's an honor to read the gospel with you this morning. I got so excited because there's this past, this parable about putting new wine in old wineskins, and I wrote a great sermon about that, and it turns out that's not in this text. I think it's in next week's text, so hopefully we'll come back to that. But there's a lot to preach on here as well. So listen and hear the word of the Lord. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. I'm going to stop there. Capernaum is a small town on the Sea of Galilee, on the northwest side. And I'm going to show you some slides in a minute. It's an amazing place that is still there and still in pretty much first century condition. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and started teaching. There's still a synagogue there. We're going to come back to that. What does Jesus do when he goes in the synagogue? He starts to teach. Would that we were there, right, to hear that lesson. The people were amazed by his teaching, for his teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts. This man speaks with truth and power. Done a whole sermon series on the Word of God can create the thing it declares, and this is God Himself speaking this words of power and truth. Suddenly, there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Here's my question Is He right? Is Jesus from Nazareth? Yes. Is he the Holy One? Yes. Has he come to chase out spirits? Yes. Is he the Holy One from God? Yes. Everything the evil spirit has said about Jesus is true. That's interesting. So Jesus says, silence. Seems like if he's speaking truth, I'll just go on, keep raising my resume. We'll just let this go for a little while. But he doesn't. He says, silence. Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon, come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed, then it came out. 
Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, what's this? A new teaching with authority. He even commands unclean spirits, and they obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the region of Galilee. Jesus doesn't want a witness from an unclean spirit. That's interesting to me. It's not just that the unclean spirit is saying something untrue because he's not. What he's saying is true, but he doesn't want that person to be his witness, that demon. You have to be silent. I don't want a witness from someone, not meaning the person, but the demon like you, come out of him. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. What's Simon's name going to be changed to? Peter, the rock, the foundation. You are Peter, the rock upon which I will build the church. The Catholic Church has taken that and run with it for 2,000 years because Peter, in their mind, was the first what? Pope. Here's an interesting fun fact about Peter. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was in bed sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Who? Peter's mother-in-law. That means Peter has a wife. That means Peter the Pope was married. <laughs> the Catholic Church has not missed that fact, and they said, oh, he was widowed a long time ago. You've got to kind of make these things fit somehow, right? Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Notice how everything keeps happening at once and immediately and so forth. Mark's in a hurry to tell you the story. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and they all fixed her a dinner. It's not what it says. And she served them. <laughs> Oh, good, you're better now, Mom. <laughs> you can go fix us some dinner. I think that's just to say that she was back to her fullness. She was ready to serve again. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. Now, I get this completely. If you heard about a person who could cure, could cure cancer, could cure mental illness, could cure disease, what would you do? You'd get your loved one. You'd get that person in your family who's sick and take her to that person. Take him to that person. Do it again. Do it again for my family. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases and he threw out many demons. But he did not let the demons speak because they recognized him. How many did he cure? What does it say? Many. Does it say all? This becomes a problem in church history, this word. If he was the son of God, if he was God on earth, why didn't he heal all of them? There wasn't time. He wasn't able. Who knows? But to put some sort of limit on Jesus' power 
has been upsetting the church so much that when Matthew and Luke tell the story, they put the word all in. <laughs> he healed all of them. In Mark's gospel, Jesus is the most human, the most everyday of the four gospels. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Why are they all looking for him? Because he can heal. He gets up early and goes to a place in prayer. I've never actually done that. I'm not good at prayer, to be honest. I pray for a little bit, and I just can't focus sometimes, and I'm working on it. I have some things I do that help. But he wants to be alone so he can pray. Maybe that's your spiritual discipline. Maybe you can do that well. God bless you if you can. That's amazing. When I was in Columbia Heights at Community Church, we rented out our building to a congregation from Africa. And the pastor and the sub and the the um, assistant pastors would meet to pray about 10 o'clock at night and pray till the sun came up. I said, be sure to invite me to that sometime when I have a good excuse not to come. <laughs> but I, I admired their dedication. I admired the fact that they could do that all night and pray for like that. Great man of faithfulness. I enjoyed meeting him and knowing him. Everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's head in the other direction to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I have come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. So he didn't come to heal all the people in Capernaum. He came to preach in as many towns as possible, and that's what he does. A man with skin disease approached Jesus, fell on his knees, and begged, If you want, you can make me clean. Skin disease was a big deal in the first century. They, most translations is this leprosy. And if you had what they had diagnosed as leprosy, and it's not what modern-day leprosy is, but if you had some sort of skin disease that might be contagious, they isolated you away from everybody physically. Don't come near us. You stay way over there. If you have to come to town and you have to walk in a public place, you have to keep shouting out loud, leper, 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 as you walk through the town, and what would everyone do? They'd all run away. And here comes this leper to Jesus, and I'm guessing all the disciples backed up about 10 feet. If you will, if you want, Jesus, you could make me whole. Incensed, Jesus is angry. Doesn't say what he's angry about. We kind of have to fill in the blanks there. Jesus reached out his hand and did what? He touched him. And then he said, I do want to heal you. Be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him and he was clean. Did you notice what just happened? Jesus went up to the leper, and before he heals him, he touches him. This is the thing you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to get to this close to someone who's got this disease. You're supposed to stay away. And Jesus walks up and touches him. I like to picture him hugging him. It doesn't say that. 
Is there a modern day equivalent to this? Remember in the 1980s when AIDS was a big deal? We didn't know how it was transmitted. We didn't know if you could get it sitting next to someone in church. We didn't know if you could shake hands with them and pass it on. Nobody really understood how this disease was, was carried about. We were all in panic. And Princess Diana did what? You remember that? She went to a hospital with AIDS patients and she hugged an AIDS patient. And it made world news. Newspapers, magazines, news stories all around the world. The princess hugged a man with AIDS. She kind of broke down barriers. I just admire that about her so much. She's my favorite royal, in case you wonder. (laughs) And since Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, I do want to be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him, and he was clean. Sternly, Jesus sent him away, saying, don't say, anyone, don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest and offer a sacrifice for your cleansing that Moses commanded. This will be a testimony to them. Is that what he does? No. Instead, he went out and started talking freely and spreading the news so that Jesus wasn't able to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, but people came to him from everywhere. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says over and over again, don't tell anybody what I just did. I don't want anybody to know that I can heal people. They call it the messianic secret. Why does Jesus in Mark's gospel not want people to know? It's not what he wants them to know about him. We're going to see another healing next week. I I can't wait to get to that, but I I will stop before I do that. Let's see what I have for slides this week. We have a painting, 18th century, just proving once and for all that Jesus was white, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it, but that's the way it's been done for for centuries. Um, Artistically, you notice there's a circle in this painting of the people going around, around The center is basically where their hands touch. Jesus is going to heal this poor woman and make her well. And the disciples are there sort of looking on. Uh, There's people in the background. And there's one guy standing in the shadows. Who do you think the artist meant that to be? I don't know. Maybe it's Judas, maybe not. Okay, let's look at Capernaum. If you get to Israel, you have to go see this place. Fortunately for us, it was destroyed, I can't remember, second or third century. That's fortunate because it was never rebuilt. And so a lot of the first century buildings are still there. Now you see all these ruins and there's this thing in the middle. I've got better pictures that I'll bring them next week. That's a Catholic church. They built it right in the middle of all these ruins on top of what they believe is Peter's house. And they said, oh my gosh, it's Peter's house. We have to build a church right here. The authority says, you can't do that. You'll ruin the church. No, no, we'll be careful. And they put their church on stilts so it's lifted up about seven or eight feet above the ruins. And you can go inside the church and they've got a glass floor and you can look down into what they think was Peter's house. They think it's Peter's house because it had fish hooks in it. 
That's proof right there. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, at some point in history, there had been rings made around it of seats so that people could gather in a circle and look at that one house. Probably a worship place for early Christians. This is the town where those guys lived. It's still there. About 20 years ago, and I couldn't find a, 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 a public domain picture of it, they found in the, the waters of the Galilee a fishing boat that just happens with carbon dating to be about 2,000 years old. They call it the Jesus boat. And it shows how big a boat, how, what those boats were like when Jesus and all those guys were out fishing. They've reconstructed it, the original's in the museum. It's, it's great, you gotta go see all that. I, I'm, I get excited about that kind of stuff. But if you notice below the, the dome thing, there is two squares by all those trees. That is the synagogue. Let's take a look at that. Now that's not the original synagogue, unfortunately. That burned down in the 300s and was rebuilt on the same spot. But you can see roughly the size of what the synagogue would have been. This is where Jesus healed that man. Just not in that particular building. Next slide shows. This is the foundation of the building. They saw what they call the white synagogue. That's the one that was put on top and rebuilt. But that foundation on the bottom with the black basalt stone, that's the original foundation. That's the foundation of the synagogue that Jesus taught in. That's the foundation of the synagogue where Jesus healed that man. I just get so excited. Jesus heals, he teaches, he travels around the best he can, spreading the good news and healing where he needs to, but trying to share the good news of the kingdom of God. The same good news that John the Baptist had tried to share. John, of course, gets arrested, beheaded. Jesus' cousin or second cousin said at first, rejoice and be glad the kingdom of God is at hand. And then sometimes John would say, repent because the kingdom of God is in hand. The kingdom of God is still at hand. The good news has not changed. 2,000 years has done a number on those buildings. 2,000 years has done a lot to lose the, the details in history. But the good news is still good. The kingdom of God is at hand. Reach out to grab it, and you've gone too far. It's right here. Rejoice and be glad the kingdom of God is here. Grace to you and peace. Amen. God has created all of us different for a reason. Let us look for what the other person in our path has to offer the world. Let us honor and respect who they are, a beloved child of God. Amen.